seated. Happy New Year. Amen. I hope that y'all have enjoyed your week. As you can see, we've kind of been at work a little bit this week. There's still a few more things that we have yet to accomplish, but it's a little different not having midweek service. Seems like forever ago I saw you, but I am glad that you have chosen to start your year off to be in the house of God. Amen. Yeah, you know, we, we say a lot around here, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. But how you start has a lot to say to the intentions, the expectation. And, and I come into this year with great expectation, great anticipation. Um, you know, for us as a church, statistically they say, you know, they don't even consider you in their city with longevity, really thinking of being there for at least three to five years, and we are entering our fourth year. So we're right there. We are in a place where we're beginning to make this church known and beginning to make God known in this city. His kingdom is being advanced here. And so I, I am excited for what 2015 is going to hold for us. And, and I hope, you know, through the series of messages that we had at the end of the year, and if you weren't able to be here on Wednesdays, uh, I would highly encourage you to get a hold of the messages that we taught uh, through the month of December on Wednesdays, we talked a lot about goals and vision and purpose um, and looking forward, looking ahead uh, to what God has and not allowing the world uh, and, and even allowing yourself to, to thwart the plan that God has for you. Amen. And uh, so I would highly encourage you to get a hold of those and listen to those. Uh, let them stir you up for what God wants to do in you uh, through this next year. Um, and, and I would listen to them throughout the year, just keeping yourself in remembrance uh, because, uh, you know, we all have the goals and the resolutions and the things that we set here. You know, this is the month right here. We're gung-ho. They're, they're uh, signing up gym memberships and selling protein shakes off the shelf like crazy right now. But come a few more days, you know, that kind of begins to wane. But God wants us to not just start stuff. He wants us to finish stuff. Amen. He wants us to be finishers, and um, we don't want to look back on December 31st of this year and, and leave a bunch of undones. I want, us, I want to have a room full of people that are able to check stuff off their list. Look what God did. It's not because of us. Amen. We can't do it on our own, and so I, I believe that this series that we're kicking off here at the beginning of this year is so important. Um, I just want to go ahead and let you know that what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, uh, beginning today, um, is so important for this next year because you won't accomplish what God has called you to do without the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. Without the Holy Spirit, we're nothing. And uh, again, you know, we make a big deal about God. We, make a, we know a lot about Jesus. But both of them are seated in heaven. And the one person that is on earth with us is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that Jesus said, I'm praying to the Father that he will send you. And how many of you know Jesus? Uh, God answers Jesus' prayers. Amen? So if Jesus is praying, Father, send them the Holy Spirit. Give them the Holy Spirit. Then we need to know about him. Amen? We, we need to know what he is, who he is in our lives. And so uh, I want to start off with Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. This series is called Third Person. Third Person. Not feeling, not power, not presence, not atmosphere, not glory. Third person. Emphasis on the 
person. Throughout this series, what I want you to walk away with is a greater knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. Not what he does, not what he can do, not what it feels like. Um, I came from a background, many of you know this, um, and, and the last time I, I taught this deeply on the Holy Spirit was three years ago. When we, it was about this time, three years ago. I started the year 2012 off on Wednesday nights. And I'm just going to go ahead and get you geared up. This series is going to be more teaching than preaching. We're going to teach. We're going to explain. We're going to go line upon line. Because I came from a background. I, I came from a Pentecostal background. And, uh, uh, you know, for some people hearing that word, uh, you know, we, I became familiar with the hokey spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, I saw some awesome things growing up. I saw some real moves of God. Okay? But I saw a lot of silliness, too. Saw a lot of weirdness. Saw a lot of stuff that you just look around and it's like, wow, that's, that can't be God. And, and, and I don't go into a church service trying to determine who's operating under the Spirit and who's not, okay? Uh, but the bottom line is, is God is the one that gets the glory, not man. Uh, we, we don't walk away from a service and someone has moved in the Spirit. Uh, and we'll explain all this stuff because, you know, for some people those might be terms that scare you away. Or move of the Spirit. I don't want to go to a church that has moves. Of the Spirit. Well, the Spirit moves all the time. Maybe you're just not even recognizing it. And, and that's why we need to go through this because uh, we would get in services where the, the pastor just taught the Word. And nobody fell out of the Spirit. Nobody gave a tongue. Nobody was running around the room. And we'd leave services wondering, well, that was kind of normal. That was kind of unusual. It was, you know, whatever. Like the Spirit didn't move. But the Spirit is just as much in the teaching of the Word as He is in somebody being manifested physically. Okay? So we can't divide this up and say, well, that was just a, that was just a teaching service. The pastor was just teaching. It wasn't really a move of the Spirit. No, he moved. And you just didn't recognize it because you were looking for a, a, a natural manifestation and you missed. Remember, he's the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay? So that doesn't mean that we need to look for a natural manifestation of something to take place in our services to determine if he moved or not, if the Holy Spirit was there. But I know this today, that uh, churches are operating every weekend, and the question is, did they even invite the Holy Spirit? It was so man-made, and it was so produced, and it was so limited to what man can do. And look, man can do some good stuff. Man can put on, some, put on some awesome shows. Man can make some stuff happen, and it can feel like something that's not. And, and I have just determined as a pastor that I'm not going to allow the world to dictate what we preach. I won't allow it. And I don't care if the world thinks it's weird. I don't care if the world thinks it's unusual. If it's in the Bible, we preach it, and we're going to see it take place in our services. That's just the bottom line, if it's there. So we just need to learn what the Bible says. Amen. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's talking to brethren now. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Present your bodies. That's natural. Not just your spirits, but your bodies. Even physically, even naturally, we ought to be presenting them holy, acceptable to God. That is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. There's a whole lot of conforming taking place in our day and age. There is a whole lot of conforming. You know, there, there are some of these pastors that I see today that are my age, pastoring churches of 10, 15,000 people. And, 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 and you think, man, that's awesome. What, what an awesome experience to have that many people that you're ministering to on a weekly basis and that are under your care. But on the flip side of that, you, you don't know the weight that a pastor that preaches to that many people on a weekly basis, he's literally having to, I mean, just think of the stuff. I mean, I just think sometimes with the congregation that we have and the stuff I'm studying out throughout the week, and I'm thinking, man, if I say that, they may leave. <laughs> if I say that, they might not come back. And so it's real easy to give into the pressure sometimes to say, ah, I'll bypass that. But I remember a pastor told me one time, he said, anything that, I, anything that you refuse to preach on, you'll see your people suffer in. If you refuse to preach on finances because you don't want to get all up in their business and talk about their money, then you're going to see your people suffering. Why? Because the lack of knowledge is what breeds defeat. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge. Not because of a lack of tools or principles or a lack of, you know, spirituality or a lack of spiritual friends or a lack of a good church. For the lack of knowledge, what you don't know will kill you. If I don't tell you how to raise your children as a godly parent, you will, I will watch you suffer as a parent. If I don't tell you how to mend your marriage and how to operate as a husband and a wife, then you will struggle as a spouse. Your marriage will, just, will, will struggle. So anything I refuse to teach on. So I, we're not going to conform. What we're going to do is we're going to educate. Education is the, is the greatest necessity when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Education. Proper education. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we come into these type of settings and we start talking about the Holy Spirit, most everybody in this room probably already has some sort of preconceived idea of who the Holy Spirit or how he works, how he operates, whether it's good or bad, whether you were taught correctly or taught incorrectly, whether you're being taught by experience or whether you have been taught properly from the Word of God. And some of you in this, in this room may have had... Uh, wrong experiences and it may have turned you off and some of you may have seen wrong experiences and done like I did and said well that's not God but I'm not going to stop living for God I'm not going to stop I'm not going to kick the Holy Spirit out just because I saw some people uh, misuse or misappropriate a move of God rather I'd, I'd rather teach on it and get educated he says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here's what I'm asking every single person in this room to do today and throughout this series. To renew your mind. 
I'm going to ask you to repent this morning. That doesn't mean you all have to come down to the altar and boo-hoo and cry and ask God to forgive you of your sins because uh, you, you've heard me say it many times. Repentance is simply changing your thinking. Changing your thinking. And whenever we teach from the Word, we have to allow the Word to become the filter. So everything I hear and everything I know has to go through the Word. Not my experience, not what I've seen, not what somebody's told me, not what Grandma and Grandpa said, not what uh, my denomination has shown me. Let's get in the Word and allow this to be the filter. And everything we hear and everything we discuss and everything we see goes through the Word. We've got to renew our minds. Your mind is where you'll get stuck. So I'm going to tell you right now, living on the inside of you is a spirit man that wants everything you're about to hear. There is a spirit man living inside of you that's saying, yes, that's right on. That's it. That's, that's what the Word says. We've got to have that. We need to live in that. And, and it's your mind that wants to throw it out. It's your mind that wants to, and it gets in the way because it has to go through the mind. But if we can change the mind, we can change our life. If we can change how we think, we can change how we live. We can change how we see things, how we process things. And so we've got to renew our mind. Go over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Title of my message today is A Proper Introduction. A Proper Introduction. A proper introduction. Have you ever met somebody? You met them for the first per, for the first time, but you had heard stuff about them. People had told you stuff about them, and so before you even meet this person, you already have a preconceived idea. Some of you may have been set up with your spouse that way. I don't know. Somebody may have told you stuff about, you know, when you were dating or before you dated, someone may have said, hey, I got this guy I want you to meet. Or somebody may have said, you want to stay away from that person. They are a terrible person. But then you ended up meeting them and you found out they're actually not that bad. This person is all right. Why did they tell me all that stuff? Why did they... Put all that stuff in my mind. And, and now what do you have to do? You have to clear out all the stuff you had heard before and learn who this person is. Now you've got to learn who this person is. Now you're getting to know this person. You were never properly introduced. You were introduced to an idea of them. But you were never introduced to them. And so throughout this series, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to the, to the Holy Spirit, to the person of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says this. I'm sorry, John 16. Go over two more chapters. John 16. We'll get to John 14. But John chapter 16. Man, we love Jesus. We love Jesus. Amen. Jesus is awesome. What Jesus came and did for us, gave up his life when we had, he had no guarantee that we would even accept him. I mean, let's just, let's just pause for a moment 
and think about Jesus, the son of the living God, was in heaven with his father and comes down to this earth, makes himself obedient even unto the point of death, the Bible tells us, with joy set before him, pursued and went after, giving up his life, laying down his life so that we could be in the kingdom with him once again. With no guarantee that we would accept what he did, and many people don't, many people still die and go to hell, even though he has fully paid the price, right? Jesus. Jesus is awesome. But look what Jesus says here in verse 5. But now I go away. Now, no one in this room has walked with Jesus like the disciples did. So we've got to put ourselves in the disciples' place here. These disciples have watched Jesus give up everything for them. They have walked with him for the for the last three and a half years. Let me just give you a setting here. This is the last supper. This is the last moment that Jesus is spending with his disciples. They're about to break bread. He's about to be handed over into his enemies. They're going to go out to a garden and pray. He's going to be arrested right in front of them. They're going to wander and scatter. Jesus is going to be taken and killed, crucified. For the last three and a half years, Jesus has walked with these 12 men. And he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. Jesus was on assignment. Jesus was on assignment. Jesus was sent. You know, a lot of times we we talk about how Jesus, you know, uh, he volunteered for the part. He went to his father. But this tells us that God sent him. Now, I'm not saying he sent him against his will. Because Jesus' will was his father's will. If his father willed it, Jesus willed it. If the father wanted to send him, Jesus wanted to go. But he was sent here by his father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? They're not thinking, where are you going? They're thinking, you're here with us. I mean, they've been walking with him, traveling with him, living with him, sleeping with him, eating with him. I mean, everything they have done for the last three and a half years, they have seen Jesus do some of the most awesome miracles. And you're thinking, there is no way. I mean, we, we think this sometimes. I wish Jesus was just here right now. I wish Jesus was here. If Jesus was here like he was back then. We've had those thoughts. Man, I mean, because we look at the world and how dark it is. We don't realize how dark the world was when Jesus showed up. The world was terrible then. If you read about the oppression that these men are under, if you read about the stuff that, that the people in this time had to deal with, I mean, they literally thought Jesus was coming as an actual king, bringing a real governor, government that was going to overthrow the Roman Empire that was besieging them, that was holding them hostage in one sense. They're thinking that Jesus is a real king. And he is, but not a natural king like they're thinking. With a natural kingdom like they're thinking. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me where you're going. Verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
sorrow has filled your heart. They're not excited. They're not, they're not excited to think that Jesus has to go and die on a cross. There was one time Peter, his best friend, got in his face and said, this will, not be, this will not happen to you. This will not be so. I will fight for you. They weren't excited to hear that Jesus was going to have to go and have to go the way that he said he was going to have to go. Sorrow has filled your heart. And this is where a lot of believers are at. Without Jesus, I'm nothing. If Jesus, Jesus, just take me home. Jesus, I just want to be up there in heaven with you. Jesus. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, everything Jesus said was true. Everything. It, it, it seems odd that Jesus would have to preface a statement with, I tell you the truth. As if he's ever told a lie. <laughs> This is the one man that's never lied. This is the one man that's never had to come back and say, look, I promise it's going to be this way. I promise this is what's going to happen. As if there was any reason for anybody to doubt what he said. But this is how much emphasis he's putting on this next statement. I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away. You will be better off if I leave. Not exactly what the disciples are thinking. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I don't leave, the helper can't come. He's saying here that because I leave, somebody else can come take my place. Take my place. Take my place. Replace me. Do what I've been doing and live with you. Somebody else can come and take my place place. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I will send him to you. That means he'll be on assignment. He'll be sent with a purpose. He'll be sent to do something. Just as I have been sent to do something, I will send him to do something. Now, this is a very odd statement because, again, all of us think that life would be better if Jesus was here with us. We all think that this world would be a much better. If Jesus was on the earth, just think of how peaceful it would be. Think about how awesome it would be if Jesus was here. And if Jesus was here, I would just spend all day. No, you wouldn't, because he would have to split his time with every single other person that's thinking, if Jesus was here. See, when Jesus was here, he was natural just like you and I. He was 100% God and 100% man. Don't try to figure that out because you can't. Your mind won't process it. But he was man. He couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. He couldn't be at your house and at their house at the same time. So 
How is he dividing up all this time with us? We think the world would be a better place with Jesus here on the earth. But Jesus says, you, you will actually be better off if I leave, if I go. Why? Because I'm going to send to you the helper. I want to look at this in the Amplified. It kind of breaks it open. It says, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts, taking complete possession of them. Sorrow has filled your hearts, taking complete possession. Verse 7, however, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, and advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby will not come to you. Watch this. Into close fellowship with you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And that right there is where most Christians miss it. The word fellowship is simply defined as partnership and companionship. Partnership and companionship. Partnership, companionship, friendship, relationship. And most believers do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Most of us go through life without even processing the thought of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talk more about our relationship with the Father and our relationship with Jesus than we do of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But this verse tells us, Jesus is telling us, Jesus himself says that I'm going away. And I'm sending someone to you that wants to be in partnership, that wants to be in companionship, that wants to have a relationship with you. There are some believers that the only thought process that they have of the Holy Spirit is what he does, not who he is. And this is what I want to change. Because whether you have a good thought process of what the Holy Spirit does or you have a bad thought process of what the Holy Spirit does, either way, you want the Holy Spirit for the wrong reasons. No relationship can thrive when you only want them for what they can do for you. Some people only want a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he makes them feel good. Or he puts them on a platform or on a podium because I've got a tongue or I'm going to give an interpretation or I'm going to give a prophecy. Or that we, we love to say this, the Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit told me. 
We talk more about what the Holy Spirit tells us than what we tell the Holy Spirit. And anybody who's in any type of relationship should know that a relationship goes both ways. Anybody that has any type of relationship should know that this thing is a two-way street. Relationships don't work when only one person is doing all the work. Relationships don't flourish when you only want to be with someone because of what they do for you. There's no friendship. Look, I've seen fathers cut off sons because their sons only talk to them because they want something from them. I've seen it. Look, man, if all you do is ever call me because you need another 50 bucks to put gas in the car or you need help with this, look, you don't even come around, you don't show up for holidays, you don't even remember birthdays, but when you need $50, you're calling me. You got my number on speed dial. And I've seen fathers literally cut off their kids and say, don't even bother calling if that's all you want. I've seen some of the tightest, I've seen marital relationships fall apart because only one person is doing the work. Because only one person is with the other person because of what they offer. Well, they let me go and hang out with the boys because they watch my kids. Oh, okay. You're married to child care is what you are. You're married to a daycare service. You're not married to a spouse. You're not married to a helpmate. And so our relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't thriving because we just want to hang out with him because of what he can do. Because we want to see his power, we want to see his presence. And then on the flip side, some people don't like what he does. And so we don't want a relationship with him at all. But what I want to show you today and throughout this series is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit hears. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit speaks. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit teaches. He guides, he leads, the Holy Spirit can be convicted, the Holy Spirit can be grieved, the Holy Spirit has feelings and is sensitive. That sounds like a person to me. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to be personified because he is a person already. The Holy Spirit is a person. In persons, we we require relationship we have to develop a relationship throughout the bible we see a dependency in the book of acts we see such a great dependency that we don't see in the church today anymore there was so much of a dependency on the holy spirit in the book of acts They made statements like this. It seems right between us and the Holy Spirit. Most pastors say this. It seemed right with us in the board. It seemed right with us in the members. It seemed right with us in our elders. It seemed right with us in our staff. We call the shots without ever having to negotiate with the Holy Spirit. And then we throw the tagline on there, the Holy Spirit said. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, look, you can, you can talk bad about me. You can blaspheme me all, all you want. But you talk bad about the Holy Spirit. It's on. 
He says, it won't be forgiven you in this age or the next. It's almost like a husband sticking up for his wife, you know. Look, you can cuss me out. You can talk about me all you want. But you talk about my wife, we're going to have some problems, right? Come on, all the men. Okay, all right. All the men are like, okay. Depends on how big he is. No, it don't. That's your treasure. Worth more than silver and gold. You're not going to let them talk about her the way they want. That's the way Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Such a dependency. Jesus told his disciples, he said, now look, you're going to go into Jerusalem. You're going to go into an upper room. And you're not going to minister. You're not going to plant a church. You're not going to teach. You're not going to heal. You're not going to do one thing until you receive the promise of the Father. You think about all the people that Jesus ministered to, thousands upon thousands of people, even after he rose again from the grave. It says that he walked around and he, and he hung out with about 500 people. But then we get to the upper room, there's only 120 there. 120 people. A dependency. I'll take it a step further. Jesus didn't do one miracle, one sign, one wonder. He didn't stop the sea from raging. He didn't heal a leprous man. He didn't raise anybody up. He didn't even turn water into wine until he first received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is even evident in, in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, let's put it up there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. See, the Holy Spirit has involvement in what God is doing. God isn't operating without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and when we get through the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God manifested on people to do certain things. Uh, Kings, prophets, uh, kings, prophets, why am I drawing a blank? And priests, kings, prophets, and priests, they were the only ones that could operate in a manifestation of God. I mean, we look in the book of Judges, we have Gideon, Samson, Deborah. We have all these people, and it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. But now the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. But there's a reliance, a dependency upon the Holy Spirit to move and to operate in our lives. Now, Jesus said, it's more advantageous. It's better for you. Why? Why is it better that Jesus go and the Holy Spirit come? Why is it better for me? Because Jesus was one man. 
Jesus was one man. You know, sometimes um, we make the, this statement. You know, when I get to heaven, I got all kinds of questions for Jesus. I'm going to ask him this. I'm going to ask him this. Well, why wait till you get to heaven? We have the Holy Spirit. And he has come and lived to live in us individually. Each one of us. We don't have to share one man. Jesus doesn't have to come and, and, and schedule a time to be in our church to come minister. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, dwelling with us. And he's on assignment, guys. The Holy Spirit is living with us, living inside of us to do something. And so when we make the Holy Spirit, when we degrade the Holy Spirit, the person, to only what he can do. I mean, nobody in this room likes that feeling, that you know that somebody only wants you there because of what you can do, not because of who you really are. And we neglect the Holy Spirit. I mean, how many times are we in our vehicles and we don't talk to him? Are we spending time talking? I mean, give me, show me one relationship that is thriving and growing and flourishing with no communication. Show me that relationship. We don't talk, but, man, we're tighter than ever. <laughs> man, we, I, don't, I really don't know what's going on. Though. Well, we really haven't had a lot of communication. But, man, we're, we're so tight. We're, like, we're best friends. No, you're not. You know, we, we, we think about intimacy a lot. You know, husbands and wives, we think about intimacy as, you know, being together. And obviously the, the marital relationship ought to be the most intimate relationship. Well, if that were the case, what about all those people last night that slept with each other? And they don't even know the person. All the one night stands that are taking place. That's not intimacy because intimacy is based upon knowledge. Not feeling. Well, they make me feel. Well, what do you know about them? You know where they live. Do you know what their goals and their vision is? Do you know what their dreams are? Do you, do you know what they do? Do you know what they want to do? Do you know who they are? Well, no, but I mean, we, we spent the night together. Now, you're not intimate. You're not intimate. And so why are we doing that to the Holy Spirit? We have one little moment in church and we feel like we get to know the Holy Spirit. We have one little feeling, one, one little uh, you know, push of presence during our worship. Oh, man, the Holy Spirit was there so strong. Well, what about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about in the drive home? What about that night? What about all the questions you have? What about the leading and the guiding? What about the communication? We neglect all that. Well, there's no relationship. There's no intimacy there. Jesus told us, it's better for me that I go to the Father because the Holy Spirit will come and he will have fellowship with you. Companionship. Partnership. You know, we talk about partnership here a lot at the church because we don't do church membership. We have vision partnership. That means that you are coming on board and saying we want to help advance the vision that God has given Anchor Faith Church in this city. And in a partnership, we partner with you and help 
you. We offer counseling. We offer services. We offer teaching. We offer help to you to partner together. This is not a one-way thing. And the Holy Spirit wants to partner with us in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to connect with us. He wants to be a companion to us. He wants to offer help and offer assistance. The Bible tells us that he is called to lead us and to guide us, to direct us, to teach us. I don't want all the leading and the guiding. I don't want the convicting. The Holy Spirit speaks up and says, hey, we don't need to be doing that. We don't want that side, but we want the Holy Spirit that's, I want that feeling. I want that chill down my back. I want, I want to know that you're there. I want the presence. I want to see a manifestation. And see, this is the kind of stuff that I grew up around. Get people in a church service that are completely different inside the church than they are outside the church. Get people on, up on stage worshiping God and their lives. We just talked about worship. Worship is a, a position of submission out of your heart. It's not an act of worship. It's a heart of worship. Ushering in the presence of God. And man, I saw some manifestations take place. But then you see the same person. This is the stuff we have to get away from. This is the reason why. And look, these churches, these big churches that don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. There are churches today. Today. Spirit-filled churches. Holy Spirit-filled churches, tongue-talking churches, that they have told their people on stage, you will not speak in tongues in a microphone from the pulpit or you will be fired on the spot. Because we've geared our churches towards the guests. Rather than teaching and rather than letting people know who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates orderly in a service, we know they're already coming in and they know that we're a spirit-filled church. So if we allow this stuff to take place, they're going to leave because they're going to feel weird. They're going to feel uncomfortable. Well, my Bible tells me that tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. That's what my Bible says. It's a sign for them. Look, Jesus did some weird stuff, and they only grew in masses. I mean, I, I have never had a blind person come to me and spit in the ground, make mud, and then cake it on his eyeballs and say, all right, go wash down the ocean. That's weird stuff. Jesus said some crazy stuff. Jesus said some stuff that made people want to stone him on the spot. So if we're just all about creating a comfort, comfortable atmosphere in our churches, we're all about hospitality. We're all about uh, 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 being welcoming to people. But when God wants to move, he's going to move. And that should draw people in, not push them away. But again, the issue is education. We haven't educated properly. We haven't taught properly. We haven't helped people get to know who the Holy Spirit is. And so we just see what he does. And we allow our minds to create an idea of who the Holy Spirit is rather than who he is. Who he really is. Let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. 
Jesus introduces us to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I just want to make a statement again. Jesus is talking with his disciples. This is his last time, his last moment with the disciples. You know when you're getting ready to leave, you're talking about important stuff. You're not talking about the weather. You're not just asking them, you know, what's going on? How are, how are things been? No, you are, this is it. This is my last moment. What are the most important things I can talk about? And Jesus talks about two topics. John 13, 14, 15, and 16 is the Last Supper. And he talks about two topics. Number one, he talks about love. Love. He saw that it was going to be important for his disciples and for believers to know how to walk in love. Now, how many of you know that's still an important topic? How many of you know that is still something that we need to hear about and know about today? But the second thing he talks about is the Holy Spirit. And he introduces his disciples to him. John 14, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Everyone say another. Another helper that he may abide with you forever. That word another means one just like, the same as. I'm going to send you, I'm going to pray to the Father, and he is going to send to you the Holy Spirit, and he is going to operate just like me. Everything that I've been doing, he will do. And he will abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever. The Holy Spirit was not just for disciples. The Holy Spirit was not just for the apostles. The Holy Spirit was not just for a certain period of time. I remember I had, I I can't remember what religion it was or what it was. It came to my house and they're talking to me, you know, doing the door-to-door stuff. And you know, we're, we're talking, and, and a lot of what we're saying, we're agreeing on. They're talking about the kingdom. I said, yep, I absolutely believe the Bible is about a kingdom. Sure is. I said, wow, wow. You know, you know that Jesus is coming back. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to restore his kingdom in full at that time. Right now, we have his kingdom. It's within us, but in that time, he'll restore his kingdom in totality. Yes, I understand that. And then it was two ladies, and, and then they went out there like, wow, that's real, real encouraging. You know, I told them I was a pastor and everything, and they were all excited. Well, then I left to go somewhere, and I guess the husband of one of them came by the house, and as I'm walking out, he's walking up into my yard. He says, hey, I heard you had a really encouraging conversation with my wife uh, and, and, and the other girl. I was like, yeah, we had a great conversation. And then somehow we kept talking and we got on to the conversation of what believers can do, what we can do. And, and his statement was, well, you know, we're, we're just here and we're just to, to do good things and, and be, you know, as good as we can. And, you know, we want to store up that reward. And then one day we're all 
going to go to heaven? I said, well, I'm here to do a little more than just do good things. He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, Jesus said, and we'll lay hands on the sick. And they'll, we'll recover. We'll prophesy. We'll speak in other tongues. He said, well, you know, we, we can't do those things. I mean, he was talking about disciples. I said, no, he wasn't just talking about the disciples. I mean, the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And the Holy Spirit empowers me to do those things. Everything that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit empowers me. Oh, so you're saying that you, well, let's just go on down to the hospital. I said, well, let's go to the hospital. You drive it or me. Let's go pray for some people. What's the problem? Show me in the Bible where he was just talking to his disciples. Show me in the Bible where he says he's a respecter of persons, but he would give his 12 disciples power that nobody else or these special apostles or these specially appointed. I said, I'm a pastor, but it's not just for me. The Bible tells me that my job, my role, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I mean, if you can show me in the Bible where it says that only certain people can speak in tongues, only certain people can prophesy, only certain people have this gift or that gift, if you can show me that, if you can show me where it says that God only gives certain people certain things and other people don't have that, then we'll have an agreement. But I don't see that in my Bible. Well, he didn't like that. I don't know why. I would love to know. That when sickness tries to come on my body, I have the power to get it off. I would love to know that. I don't, unless you enjoy being sick. Anybody enjoy being sick? Anybody enjoy puking their guts out? Anybody love cancer? I just want some more of that cancer. Anybody love that? Is that a great testimony for you? The, the testimony is that the cancer comes off. Not that I remain believing in God. He's just testing me. He's testing my faith. See, without the Holy Spirit, you have a weak gospel. In fact, without the Holy Spirit, you don't even have Christianity anymore. You don't even have Christianity. If Jesus Christ says, I'm going to the Father and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to abide with you forever, then it would seem to me it would be be pretty important to know who he is and how he operates and allow him to work in my life. That seems like it would be a valuable thing to know. Not just about heaven, not just about Jesus and the cross and you know dying and rising again and we can all one day go and be in glory with him. It seems that there's more to it than that. But we've watered it down because of misunderstandings and misrepresentations. And I am not one to just walk away and say, oh, well, you know, if that's uncomfortable for you. No, let's teach it and let's make it practical and let you understand how the Holy Spirit operates. He says here that the Holy Spirit will abide with you forever. Let's keep going. The Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, Because it neither sees him nor knows him. So why would you allow the world to tell you who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates? They don't see him and they don't know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's pretty close. 
That's pretty tight. He dwells with you and will be in you. Let's keep going. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 26. John 15. We got John 15. There we go. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Once again, Jesus is reiterating that I am going to send the Holy Spirit from the Father, the Helper. You know what that tells me? That God doesn't expect me to do it all by myself. Thank God that I am not... I'm not limited to having to live this life by myself, go through this life by myself. I have a helper. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That means he he will tell you about me. He will show you the things that I did. There was one instance where Jesus told his disciples, there's many things I'd love to tell you right now, but you can't bear it. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal it to you. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You can't even know truth without the Holy Spirit's help. He's there to guide you and to lead you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Remember what Jesus used to say? I don't say what I want to say. I say what the Father tells me to say. I don't go where I want to go. I don't, do, I don't do anything on my own initiative. The Holy Spirit does the same thing. He doesn't say, do, go. He doesn't do anything without it coming from the Father. He is a direct representation. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14 He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Everything Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will show you. Everything Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. Verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Before we talk about the power of Before we talk about the gifts, we have to know the person. The power is a result of the person. The power is the result of who he is. Who he is dictates what he does. Amen. Before we talk about tongues, before we talk about the gifts, uh, before we talk about, you know, prophecy and healing and faith and all this stuff, we have to first know that the Holy Spirit is a person. And we're not going to develop a relationship with someone only based on what they can do. We have to develop a relationship with this person on who they are. To receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we must, we must first Develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can't skip steps here. In this series, we'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness. Some people that I've seen operate in a gift of the Spirit are some of the most unfaithful people I've ever seen. They don't have any joy. I mean, some of those ladies in the churches I grew up, they were the meanest ladies in the world. Some of the meanest people I grew up knowing were in church. Love? Where's the love? Where's the love? Well, man, you can give a tongue like nobody's business. You can give a prophecy. You'll turn around and start laying hands on the person behind you in the pew behind you. But, man, you're just an angry person. No self-control. Goodness. Gentleness. Fruit of the Spirit. Why are we giving priority to gifts of the Spirit over fruit of the Spirit? I mean, anyone that serves in this church knows that we're not going to prioritize your gift over the fruit. I don't care how well you can sing. I don't care how well you can teach. I don't care how well you can play an instrument. If you can't operate in the fruit of the Spirit, your gift will sit in a chair. I know churches that pay musicians to come in and play, and they literally come in and play and leave. They don't even attend service. They don't even know these people and the lifestyles they have. They could have played in a bar the night before, and they're going to pay them to be on stage because we need that gift. I will sing up here all by myself before I pay someone a dime to come up here, and I don't, you don't, know, I don't know your lifestyle. I haven't seen any fruit. My goodness, the stuff that we have seen in the church today, and all for a lack of knowing who the Holy Spirit is. All for a lack of knowing. I want us to be educated. Education. Educated. Renewing the mind. Guys, I, I don't I don't know your experiences, everybody. I mean, there's some people I've had talks with. I don't know your background. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's not a denominational thing, guys. I'm just going to tell you. I know know Spirit-filled Baptists. I know Spirit-filled Methodists. I know Spirit-filled Catholics. I know Spirit-filled. It's not a denominational thing. Jesus didn't invent denominations. Man did. It's a man-made thing. Be honest with you, Jesus didn't even invent Christianity. Before Jesus left the earth, he didn't say, Now you all will be called Christians. Christian. Christian was a term given to the church by outsiders. In Acts chapter 11, they saw these people and they said, These people look a lot like Jesus Christ. I saw a thing on Facebook a few weeks ago during the Christmas season. It says, you know, everyone wants to put Christ back in Christmas. Well, how about putting Christ back in Christian? (laughs) 
I want us to know who the Holy Spirit is. I tell people all the time when when I get approached with conversations or questions, I've talked to people who know nothing about the Holy Spirit. I talk to people who uh, think they know everything about the Holy Spirit. I talk to people that have had bad perceptions and talk to people that have good perceptions. But the bottom line is, I value the role the Holy Spirit plays in my life. Period. I value it. And I don't believe the Holy Spirit is for some people and not for some people. I just don't see that in the Bible. And regardless of manifestations, regardless of gifts, regardless of power, regardless of things and signs and wonders that we see, I see an importance for the believer, for the Christian, to know who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates and how he wants to work in our lives. It's the bottom line. And I hope, at least as a result of today's message, and we're just getting started, this is just an introduction to an introduction. But I hope at least you see that Jesus placed a priority and a value on the Holy Spirit. Guys, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience everything that God has. He sent something from heaven to us. His Spirit. His Spirit. The Bible says, who knows the mind of a man except the spirit of a man? Romans. If you want to know what God is thinking, get to know the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows everything God is thinking. See, you don't know what I'm thinking right now. But on the inside, my spirit does. You may not know what God is thinking, but his Holy Spirit does. And Jesus just told us that he wants to reveal that to you. He wants to guide you and lead you into all truth. And we've got to get to know the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we are honored, we're privileged to get acquainted with, to know who your Spirit is. You have sent him. You have placed such a priority on the Spirit of God in our lives. Father, we thank you that you have introduced us to such a great person. The most important person in our lives. More important than our spouse. More important than our children. More important than ourselves. So, Father, I pray over these next several weeks that we will open up our minds, that we will be receptive to hear, to learn, and to know what you have to say about your Holy Spirit. If we can better learn who he is, we'll better identify what he does. Father, I thank you this morning for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for his work and his manifestation in our lives. And I thank you that we will better grasp and understand how he operates in and through us. We thank you for this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.